Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Hi, guys. We want to welcome you back to the things we say. A uh, couple things about this episode. This We are trying something new this week, and that is we feel the distance in our two-week <laughs> uh, releases. And every two weeks, we're like, man, it's just not quite enough for us to keep up with each other, for us to keep going through the topics that we want to get to, and releasing enough content for you guys um, we'd like to do that more on a weekly basis if we can. Um, the other way that we want to give you a little more access to what we do is we're going to be experimenting with releasing an entire episode live on Facebook. Yes, um, so which is what we're doing now. Which is exactly what we're doing now. So if you're in our, if you follow the things we say podcast on Facebook. That's exactly how it is. The Things We Say podcast, podcast. at The Things We Say podcast on Facebook. Um, then you can just watch this episode live or in video form rather than listening to it um, on iTunes. We still would recommend that you listen to it on iTunes or any other way that you find us and leave us a good review. We'd appreciate that. Yes. Um, but we just wanted to have this be a more regular thing. Um, and because, yeah. Me and Nate get to missing each other every two weeks, and we do feel like um, it continues the conversation better if we can roll from one topic into the next. So, yes, yes. Um, all that out of the way, here we are, yeah. live. Uh, welcome to the studio. Yep, and I'm Nate. And I'm Sheldon. There we go. Introductions. And, and this is the things we say. This is the things we say, um, and this is episode seven of season two, um, and we will sometimes do an audio only um, for now, we're going to try and do as many video and audio as we can, and the, some of them may get released audio only, but we will let you Facebook guys know when that happens. Yes, for sure. Um, we're not just going to sneak them through to the other platforms without you knowing. So, yes. Well, first of all, as we have, as, as has become our tradition, yes. uh, we have to open our, our discussion with our uh, segment, which is titled... Uh, Things We Don't Understand. <laughs> And it is your turn, if I it remember is, correctly. It is my turn. Nate stepped up. He came up with one. <laughs> it seems... <laughs> Which you guys haven't heard yet, so it's going to seem like... It seems like I'm the only one yeah, who doesn't understand I, stuff. I have one. I do um, have one. So we Nate did one, it. and you will hear that in an audio-only version later. Um, <laughs> I guess whenever we, we, we miss a week, we're going to uh, release the audio-only version. Um, but that, that podcast is on the topic of freedom. So you have that to look forward to. It's going to be awesome. So you guys should definitely, uh, look forward to that. Nate has a thing he doesn't understand on that. (laughs) Uh, this week, my thing that I don't understand is, (laughs) and this is, this is one of the things that I'm glad we're doing it live because it's very, going to be very time sensitive. Mm. Um, the Jimmy Kimmel, Sean Hannity feud 
If you haven't seen it yet, it is possibly one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. I read through most of it and watched most of it last night on Twitter because <laughs> I do not understand it. I don't get it. Um, Jimmy Kimmel is a comedian, and Sean Hannity is kind of a comedian, but he takes himself very seriously. <laughs> and and I think it would have been funnier if this was like a rap battle or a comedian war where <laughs> both people are in the same sphere. But it's like they're playing with on different fields. It's like yeah. it's like LeBron playing baseball or, or you know, oh, somebody coming really from bad. baseball I've over seen that, and it's not good to basketball. And it's like neither one of them is Bo Jackson. Neither one of them <laughs> is great at playing in the other field. Jimmy Kimmel <coughs> is a comedian. He doesn't he's not a serious news guy. No. And so he makes fun of the of the first lady's accent and people <laughs> flip out and Sean Hannity takes this very seriously and right. like decides he's going to make Jimmy Kimmel out to be a pervert. Yeah. Well, which I'll, is easy to do for a comedian. Right. Like I can make any comedian well, sound like a pervert. I'll, I'll admit I mean I'm I'm <laughs> I have no dog in this fight whatsoever. I agree with you. It's just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But I miss Jimmy Kimmel being funny. Like, I miss Jimmy Kimmel when he was basically trolling all of, like, his entire show was just trolling society, trolling trends, tro I mean, him creating fake viral videos. Like, yeah. he was hilarious. And and he is one of those people that, for whatever reason, Trump getting elected broke his brain, and, and he he has lost some realm of functionality. In, in, and again, it's not an endorsement of anybody one way or the other, but, like, be be or be who you are. Like don't, don't. No, he got a new show, and it's a different kind of format. Man. And so I'm like, okay. First of all, Sean Hannity needs to take a, a major chill pill and realize that yes. some some things are just funny. I agree. And like, if he's trying to be funny and he's a comedian, can you just let him have it? Like, Absolutely. But he's like, I won't give up until he admits that he's a pervert, <laughs> and he's trying to tie it to the Me Too movement. And I'm like, okay, there are some things that it's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing I ever oh don't get it. I don't yeah. get why the only thing either I've, one of them would want to engage the other, and why yeah. it's so desperately I, important that because Twitter, all the people that's on the all right it is. need to line up. Behind that's all him it is. And it's because Twitter. Twitter is amazing, and yet also it is the bane of my existence. But it's like, on Facebook too, and I'm just like, must yeah. we? Must you, if you're right, line up behind somebody as? <laughs> Oh, unbearable as Sean Hannity. Or if you're on the left, you really, you have a comedian, you're going to line up behind him. He's got to be the guy. I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, this, I don't get it either. I've now given it way more attention yeah, than it deserves. They're both getting really great ratings I just from don't, it, though. I just don't understand They're it. both getting spikes from this feud. So who yeah. knows? Maybe they got together and had a drink and decided this is what they were going to do. I don't know. It seems... <laughs> Really dumb. Yes, I'll agree anyway, with you there. So that was the things we don't understand. We have now gone into um, into another topic. We're going to leave that where it is. The <laughs> things we don't understand is a totally separate yes. just nugget that we put at the beginning, <laughs> and then we roll into something more serious or, I don't know, more stupid or whatever the topic is for this episode. All right. Um, our topic this week is songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. We wanted to follow up on our music podcast. We've had a chance to listen back through it a little bit, and we've heard a lot of your feedback. Some yeah. people, uh, a lot of really good feedback where yeah. we've spurred some thought and conversation. I've had some people 
that listened to it and said, you know, I didn't agree with most of what you said, <laughs> but I was glad that you said it. I prefer that. And I do. I, I like I'd to ruffle some feathers. That. So, yeah. Um, Done with the rambling. Let's get to it. Okay. Let's so songs, it. hymns, and spiritual songs. We're mostly going to be talking about worship and, and music in the context of the church. Um, I wanted to bring this up because it is something that, that Nate does. It's something that is a deep... Um, expression of my faith and one of the primary ways in which I encounter God. Yeah. Um, but talking about songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, uh, from Ephesians 5.19, it says, um, well, the verse before says, be filled with the Spirit, and it says, speaking to one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Mm. Um, and it seems like there is a difference between songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And one of the ways that I've heard it explained, and I'll talk about this a little bit, but um, is like hymns are like the hymns of your faith where it's teaching a foundational truth and it's a way of singing something that's true in a way that you can remember it, repeat it. And it's like, it helps you structure your faith and put it down deep yeah. somewhere. Doctrine, doctrine, Doctrinal, music, essential, yeah. essentially, and, yeah. Um, Psalms are more um, heartfelt expressions to God. They, they involve feeling, they involve emotion, experience, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And then um, spiritual songs are, how do I want to say, maybe much more spontaneous, much more um, just deep crying out to deep. And it's, it's something that that can arise in a structured, like, writing, sit down and write yeah. format, but often is just the cry of the heart of the people of God, like, in a right. particular place. Right. Um, it becomes a spiritual song. It's not something that our minds connect with. It's our spirit communicating yeah. in music, which is fascinating. Right. And and hard to quantify. Yes. And, and it's a different... These things all, I would say, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs do not necessarily exist in the realm of secular music or what we were talking about before, like music as a whole. We yeah. are, both of us are perfectly comfortable separating off not Christian music, but worship music in its own right. category right. of expression. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I believe that, I mean, obviously songs are everywhere. I mean, that's in both, both, uh, yeah. secular and Christian music. Um, obviously hymns is, is I would say unique to religious organizations. I, I believe that there are even some elements outside of Christianity that, that use that. But I would say, again, some people would have a problem with this, but I would say spiritual songs is something that exists in the world and in the church. Really? And, and we'll get into that a little okay. bit later I'm and, glad. and I'll, and I'll have some illustrations of that. Okay. Um, but but yeah, that's that's one thing I want to get to. But yeah, I, I I like your definitions. Again, I've I've always often heard of them as you know uh, songs, like you said. Were um, what did you initially say for that one? Uh, I use the word psalms, so right, right. It, it'd be more emotional emotional connection. Right, right. right. Uh, so, so yeah, psalms being experiential, uh, hymns being doctrinal, and uh, in the spirit being spiritual spiritual songs. in that moment, in that like creative moment in the in the with what is happening right now, essentially. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's basically how I've heard it explained too. Um, I've I've not done a lot of in depth study on this. It's been a long time. Like back when I was a teenager, I I kind of obsessed over this, but it's it's kind of been on the back burner for me for a long time. So it's kind of interesting to me that we're really? talking about. Yeah, you you obsessed over this one verse in particular. Yeah, and just what that means and and how you tap into one and the other. Like, what is there a balance of all three of these things? How do the balance of these three things work? Oh. Like getting into all the you know, my worship leader hat on for this, like trying to figure out the the technical aspect of what's happening here. Like, are we doing all Psalms <clears throat> right now? Should we be doing some hymns and spiritual right. songs? Are right. we getting out of balance or right. do these things not need right. to be kept in balance? Yeah. Um, so, so give me, give me three examples of songs that you would define in each of those categories, songs that are used by the church. I would say that hymns are, don't have to be old. Um, right. I was thinking of the song in Christ alone. Yeah. In Christ alone is a hymn. Yes. If you ask me, it's so doctrinal and it, it's, it's so foundational. It is almost, it is like the apostles creed to me, like yeah. where it is, it, it's putting down theology in a way that every time I hear it sung, I'm just like, this is so yeah. good. The, and like, the church could have been singing it for centuries. Could have been. Unquestionably. Absolutely. And all, some a lot of great hymns were written, you know, early 1900s, but even back into the 1800s. And then there are hymns that have endured way down, right. down through like, time. So. Like, um, oh, I to- it totally left me. What's the Martin Luther one that everybody knows? <laughs> the doxology? No, no, oh. no, 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 no. I don't even think there's an actual writer for that song. I think that's just been around forever. Why can't yeah. I think of that? No, that's okay. I'll come back to it because I can't remember. It's okay. I keep running into, oh, God, our help in ages past, which is not the song I want. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll think of it. I'll think yeah. of it. And, when and I there's do, such get. great stories behind the hymns and how they originated and what they've meant to people down through. And, and you can sing some of these hymns, and some of them are universal to all Christians. And then I've been finding out that... <laughs> there's different, like the hymnal that I had growing up in the Mennonite church, our Mennonite hymnal, the red yeah. one, like I thought of that as being like, that had all the hymns. Right. And which then, is, which it's funny because my wife's family is, is Mennonite and Amish background. And most of what they consider hymns are like 1800s, 1900s gospel yeah. songs. They're not ancient hymns of the church. Yeah. They're just gospel songs. Um, a mighty fortress is our God a was the one I was thinking of. And I couldn't, I couldn't pull go. it out, but I was, I was sitting here going through the lyrics. I'm like, what's the hook? What's the hook of the song? <laughs> um, but again, that one where it's like, it's endured. There's still versions of that that are put out all the time or rewrites centered around that same theme. So everything from a mighty fortress of our God and even stuff before all the way to like in Christ alone. Yeah. And that it's that style of writing. Right. And, it, and there is a definite specific like writing structure to like, I'm going to write a hymn and, and I, I forget what the formula is. There is an actual formula for it. Really? For yeah. hymn writing? Yeah. For, for what makes it that, for what makes it that feel, that sound, that vibe of a hymn versus, uh, versus Does not. Does it have to have four part harmony? No, no, it has nothing to do with that. Oh, it's, it's the literal structure of like, it's like a haiku, you know, it's like there's a specific structure to a haiku that makes it a haiku, the same kind of idea uh, yeah. with him writing. But again, I don't remember what those rules are. You can hear them. <laughs> it's, it's like with Christ and Christ alone. You hear that like it sounds like a hymn. You just there's something inherently where you're like you would think it's a really old, you know, ancient hymn. And it's not. I mean, it was yeah. written in like I think like 19. 
97 or or actually no it was more recent than that maybe it was 2007 so specific examples going further uh spiritual songs one of the new ones that we've been singing is uh, surrounded uh mm. that song yeah. is very much a spiritual song um it was born out of spontaneous worship yep. it just happened you yeah. know and and it's become an anthem that people have been singing but it is in and of itself a spiritual song expression where you can't really quantify what it's talking about. It isn't necessarily doc, deep doctrine. It isn't even necessarily right. emotion. Right. It's all spirit. Like if you put on your spiritual eyes, I see that I'm surrounded. Right. And I also know there's another congruent truth at the same time that I am surrounded by God. And yeah. I see both when I put on my spiritual eyes and that song is just born out of yeah. that expression. So to me, like spiritual songs, that one, um, uh, what is the one, uh, like breathing like, into the mic heavily. I'm sorry. You could hear that. When the, <laughs> the enemy has been defeated. Yeah. That song for uh -huh. our church same, for a long thing. time was a spiritual song and it doesn't have to be like a spiritual warfare song, but the expression of just spiritual expression. Right. Well, and, and the thing is if, if it's a spiritual song, capital S, what I will call capital S spiritual song, oh, good. it will be doctrinally sound it will oh, yeah. be um it will have its foundations in that like it it won't be the kind of thing where you'll come away and think man there's no there's no theological or biblical basis for where that like it will all be, always be aligning itself with what is scriptural with what is uh theologically solid um again capital but I, S I, I do song. i do feel like a spiritual song is not understood unless you open your spiritual eyes yeah. a little bit yeah, or you're able to otherwise climb you're just going to sit the there realm. and I've and I've heard so many people have hear a song like that like surrounded and they go why are we singing these same lines over and over yes. and over again why, like what's happening if you sit there and mathematically go through the music or you're very analytical it may be harder for you to go to that level but it's yeah. still important that you do it at some yeah. point um if you if and I've seen this done a number of times where people will film a spiritual song happening in a church and try and play it somewhere else. And everybody's like, what is yeah, happening? It's like, this isn't even a thing. Like, what's, what's the deal? Why is everybody so into this? Yeah. And why, you know, if you're watching it on a screen and you're disconnected and you're not a part of it, it can yeah. look kind of weird. Because there's, or there's something that happens weird. in the moment that yeah. can sometimes, sometimes be lost in translation. You don't necessarily catch it just by seeing the after effects of it. And sometimes even within the moment, you can separate yourself out and just come like come back to earth and be like, okay, I can see how this <laughs> would be really weird if you walked yeah. in the door right now or sound sound kind of weird. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think I look at this and, and, and I do, you know, from an analytical standpoint, I look at this as being necessary to having vitality in corporate worship in, in a church. Um, Absolutely, I've seen a lot of people who are great at the Psalms, and 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 hymns, but don't even remotely delve into the spiritual songs aspect. Um, and that can be playing as well as singing. There doesn't always have to be lyrics to it. Sometimes just playing spontaneously, there's something that is happening. You make room for yeah. it to happen, and and that's yeah. not forcing it to happen and saying <clears throat> it's got to happen right. now. If it doesn't happen, move right. on. Or you right. know, it may just randomly show up. Right, but um, but I've seen a lot, but I've also seen people where they're only spiritual songs, and there is no 
none of that other stuff is there. And it's, and it's, there has to be a balance between these three things or else well, you're missing something. It's a little hard something. to get the train moving. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you yeah, just without a doubt. start off without with a spiritual doubt. songs. Without a, a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. So, so yeah, I do, I consider this a great formula for actual corporate worship in, in a church to, to equal parts, give people something that they are familiar with and yet lead them into something that the spirit is doing now. Um, and again, that familiar can be a, a psalm or a, or a hymn, but the spiritual song is what gives it. It's like it's like the Holy Spirit and Scripture. Like Scripture is amazing, but it only has power because of the Holy Spirit. Like if if you remove the Holy Spirit, it's got some good advice in it, but nothing in it's going to resonate. Nothing is going to be alive and active. What makes Scripture alive and active is the interaction with the Holy Spirit that the yeah. Holy Spirit has with you, and that the Holy Spirit has through uh, the Scripture. There is nothing inherently sacred about the words on the page. Um, it is it is what he does to make it active and living, and the same is true of music. Um, it's, I'm sorry, the it's, same it's is true like, of worship. Uh, going back to the scripture thing, it's like the lifeblood. Yeah, without of, a doubt of scripture, the lifeblood. What, what, what gives it a heartbeat? What makes it active is what activates it. And Eric Heller could probably do this better with some sort of chemistry thing, whatever <laughs> that you know, catalyst. Catalyst. Oh, that's there you what go. It is. That's the it's, word. It's the catalyst that brings it to life, and. All of it is there. Like all the elements are there in Scripture to bring life. It yeah. is the Holy Spirit that brings the life. Yeah, that, without that a gives doubt. It, that, yeah, yeah. But I, I would say, from a worship leader perspective, you know, the spiritual songs moment. Those are the moments when, as a worship leader or as a band, you could walk off stage and nobody would care. Like, and those are the moments. That, those are like the mountaintops that I live for. Is, is those moments when, when I can back away from a mic or put down my instrument and a congregation or a crowd or a, or a room of five people is just going to go, and they're just going to go without me. They don't need me anymore, uh, and they don't need any of the stuff. It's like they've, they've transcended what we typically think of as worship, and it's just it's become its own movement with its own momentum, and um, they don't happen as often as I'd like to see them happen. Uh, but consistently enough that it keeps me coming back for more. You know, yeah. it keeps me trying to find those those moments. Um, and again, I I've been to a lot of churches that have great music, that their musicians are literally professional musicians. The you know, there it, it sounds just like whatever album they've gotten it from. But there's no life in it. There's yeah. no. They're gonna have it clocked to the minute, and they're not interested in whether or not the Holy Spirit is working through it. They're interested in getting it right. Yeah. And there's, again, I'm not being critical of, of, of well-produced. I'm not being critical of well-rehearsed. Um, I believe that we rehearse so that we can deviate. That is why, you know, we rehearse so that it's just like muscle memory for a, for an athlete. They do the same basic things over and over and over again until they become second nature. And because of that, they're able to do things that are amazing highlights, you know, for us instead of yeah. just, you know, Shooting a, a foul shot or just you know putting up a layup, you know it's they, like Odell Beckham making that catch. It was yeah, it was phenomenal and it was creative and it was brilliant. But he ran a particular route to yep. get to that spot, right. and the quarterback threw it only because he knew he was going to be there. Right, and yes, then he ad libbed and did something super cool. Yeah, but he so was I'm, running a route to get there. <laughs> right, so I'm I'm all for preparation, but in preparation, in in that reality of of the marriage, there has to be a marriage between preparation and spontaneity. There yeah. has to be a marriage between, yes, we've rehearsed, but then the Holy Spirit. 
Um, yeah. and, and, and that looks different for every team. I don't think that means that every team needs to throw out their set list after one song. I don't think that means that every, you know, every team has to do two songs and then they can go off spontaneously for 45 minutes. Um, it looks different for every house and it needs to, you know, there's uniqueness to every house. There's different people, different backgrounds. There, there is a unique chemistry to every single house that this happens in, but it has to happen in every single house. Um, and it doesn't matter what style the place is. It doesn't matter if it's if it's traditional. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, on the cutting edge of, of what is contemporary. Yeah. It doesn't matter if, if, yeah, it doesn't matter the style. There has to be elements of this. And, and some of my greatest moments that I've ever experienced in worship are from people who maybe they didn't necessarily understand what was happening. They just knew how to get into that flow and go with that. Again, even people who were not, you know, we're not contemporary by any stretch of the imagination, but there was the combination of Holy Spirit and it just, it, it worked, it worked and it transcended the style that was happening. So you were talking earlier about how uh, spiritual songs can show up in the, in the world. Yes. In everyday music. Yes. Yes. And, and it's, it's, it is rare. It is rare that it happens. Um, but again, there we have to relate the fact that obviously we are spiritual beings. Humans are spiritual beings. One of my favorite quotes that I've ever heard is from C.S. Lewis. Uh, and I, I kind of paraphrasing, but he basically says, you know, when interacting with your fellow man, remember that you've never met a mere mortal. Basically everyone, yeah. everyone is eternal. Everyone is an eternal being. And, and, and in that sense, everyone is a spiritual being, you know, that is how everyone is an eternal being. And so um, because we're all spiritual beings, there is still an element of spiritual in something that is secular. Yeah. And we talked about that in our music podcast, that there is something innately spiritual yeah. about music. And um, one, of the, one of the most amazing examples, I mean, there's, there's a couple of uh, what you would call jam bands, uh, like Fish is one that's currently uh, around. Well, if they're still currently around, I don't know how old those guys <laughs> I are don't anymore. Know. But, but they're, they're kind of a jam band. I would kind of put Sigaros in that uh, category. Um, have you ever heard them? Nope. Oh, dude, I got to introduce you to Sigaros. They're they're amazing. Um, Iceland. They're from Iceland. Um, okay. Pretty, pretty incredible. Um, but one of the people, one of the one of the bands that really tapped into this and went after it hard was the Grateful Dead. Um, and they would do. They would do, like a reach out and find it kind of spontaneity. And the, and the first time this, I've never really listened to the Dead. I've never really liked a lot of what I heard from them studio. And they never really had a lot of hits or any hits really that I can think of. They never had any like top selling albums, like chart but, toppers. But yeah. their tours, they toured constantly, yeah. and their tours were what made them because of this factor. Um, I remember there's a there's a book called Following the River that if you're a worship leader or a worshiper or just a Christian in general or somebody here's curious about worship or Christianity, get this book. Following the river, it's only about that big. It's it's awesome. It's awesome, um, but he he goes into a, a section where he talks about the Grateful Dead, and what they would do was they would start they were try they would go into a section every every show where they would try to find it, and they would just somebody would start playing a riff or somebody would play a, or the drummer would play a beat and they would all just kind of fill in and try to find this momentum 
And it, they would, they were, sometimes they would get it and sometimes they wouldn't, but they would lock in and they would all just kind of hit this point where they were all going the same direction and they just found this flow and the crowd came along with them. And it it's wasn't a singing way anything. Of creating music. Yeah, it wasn't singing. It was, it was, it was spontaneous uh, musically. Um, and so that was, that was a thing. And they, I think they called it when the sixth man would show up cause they were a five piece band huh. and like the sixth man has shown up. Some, some other element has entered in and, uh, people would talk about how in, in those moments, uh, people in the crowd would suddenly begin to spontaneously share things that they had. They would, and of course, mostly that was drugs at that point, <laughs> but, but, but it, it, it created an environment of, of unity and of of direction that was not previously there that ch it changed the atmosphere. Hmm. And so this, this is definitely a spiritual thing. Um, and again, I've seen that in the church, but it was kind of shocking to hear this guy talk. And he talked about it too, from that. He was shocked by it when he discovered it, that this was also happening in the world. He didn't know this was something that could happen in the world. Wow. Um, and so there is, again, because we are spiritual beings, there is an aspect where this can take place outside of the realm of Christianity. Now, again, the spiritual song in this sense is a small s. It is the spirit that we are within us, the spirit yeah. that we have within us. It is not the Holy Spirit by any means. Um, and sometimes it can, it can be a demonic thing. Um, but there is, there are, without a doubt, there are elements of uh, spiritual songs outside of the realm of Christian music. And there are some who have tapped into that um, <clears throat> Who would who would say that they're they're Christ followers? You look at somebody like Bono. You look at like you too. They they are a band who has tapped into that element as well of of being able to have that kind of spontaneous playing and just and you know Coldplay is kind of that same vibe too. They they've tapped Coldplay, into Coldplay to me is is a bunch of guys that really want to make the world a better place. Yes, and it and it definitely comes out in their music. I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, I've I've had experiences with their music that I'm like, this seems spiritual, but on the other side, it's just like, man, these are some really positive guys trying to do something right. positive. And that's probably what well, I'm feeling more and, than and anything. And this also gets into the element of how much do we attribute to being spiritual that's actually just euphoria of emotion, which we could talk about that yeah. for days as well. And I could make a lot of people really mad. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get into that. But again, I have seen elements of this in the world. It is it is not something that is entirely unique to the church. Again, the Holy Spirit aspect of it is entirely unique to the church. And yet, I also believe that the Holy Spirit has tapped into some people. Um, and, and, you know, a gift that you have is still a gift. A, a, a gifting that you have, a, an ability that you have is still gifting, regardless of whether you're using it for Him or not. Yeah. I like to use a different word for that, for that specific, like when the Holy Spirit like taps into another person. Yeah. I, I like to call that anointing. Like yeah. some, there you go. Somebody, that's the word I wanted to use. Yes, somebody that's good. That's good. may be anointed for a particular like active service right. in the kingdom of God, and they may not be following Him right now. But the anointing doesn't lift. And, and the way you see that evidenced in the Bible is with like King David and King Saul. Yeah. And uh, King Saul was anointed to be king and King David was also anointed to be king. But David recognized Saul's anointing does not lift. It yeah. doesn't go away. When right. he was anointed king, he was Period. king that was until it. He was king. he's dead. Yeah. And David made no qualms about it that he was... He knew he was anointed to be king of Israel, but he was not going to make himself king because 
he was not anointed to be king. Right, absolutely. While At Saul was moment, also yeah. anointed. He so was not a replacement. He, he was, was not a, a, yeah, he was there a, was only going to be one king yeah, of Israel. He was a he was a up next. So he was on deck. So people people before they find faith in Christ, I, I believe when God creates you, he will anoint you for a particular act of yeah, service without in the a kingdom. Doubt. And it's gonna show up in different ways. And if you look back over your life before you found Jesus, you were still manifesting that anointing in Without some way. Like you, yeah. you carry something. Each of us is spiritual. Yeah. Everybody you meet is immortal, but everybody that you meet is also carries a particular blend of gifting that doesn't necessarily exist. Yeah. In the kingdom until they're in it. That's right. You that's know? right. No, that's and that's great. That's a that's a really good way to put it. That, yeah. That's much better. And, much better. I like. That. And so like. And this is a weird example, but I, I was watching, uh, Kayla will like this, Justin Bieber's story. <laughs> uh. And I was watching that special that they did on him on Netflix. Yeah. And you see the kid sitting on a street corner in Canada playing an acoustic guitar and worshiping his heart out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, he might have been in a youth group or something that was really like changing his life at the time. Right. And that could have been an expression of that. But when I watched it, I was like, "That kid is anointed." Yeah, I, for and for, and honestly, for worship music expression, and I do believe that he's coming around to it. Like yeah. I really do. And and that's the thing with me. Like we watched that. I mean, Kayla was yeah, she was obsessed with Justin Bieber, uh, and I'll admit, I I agreed before we were married that at some point I would take her to a Justin Bieber concert. And I and I will admit, and I'm a little bit ashamed to admit it, that I thought he would either be not popular or dead by the time we actually got <laughs> around to it, based on where I saw his trajectory going at the time. Yeah. And I don't wish those things on him by no. any means. Um, but we watched. She had. I got her that Never Say Never DVD for Christmas one year. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what I was and watching. It was so sad. It made me so sad because you're right. They were showing these things of him earlier on, you know, as a kid, and seeing the talent and seeing even some of those aspects of anointing and like just a pure seeing, heart. Yeah, kind of seeing thing. the purity of it. And I thought some snake oil salesman came along and ruined this kid and said, "I can make money off of this." And turned him into what we see now. And again, I think you're right. I think in a lot of ways he's coming back around to where he was originally headed. But you never know where somebody uh, like that's going to end up. I like, know, but, I, it, but it was just, to me, it was sad. Like the whole movie just made me sad watching it. I do feel the same thing about Katy Perry, and she's kind of yeah. like gone the other way. Like, And I've always been kind of holding out. Like, I really think the Lord's going to get a hold of her. Plus, and she's, let's, let's admit though, she's kind of a little bit of your crush. I mean, she's kind of. You're, she you're, is my type. Yeah, she's she's. You're you're kind of a you're kind I of crush on her a little bit, which is fine. She's in the like Zoe Deschanel Jessica yes, category yes. where it's like. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I have a type. It's okay. Yes, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we're talking about worship music, and we got here. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah there it is. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on, though. Moving on. Katy Perry. Where were you at? Where were you at, Katy Perry? Well, no, we were talking about anointing and yeah. just like how people are anointed for music and the spiritual songs and the expressions that you, why they show up in the world outside of, yeah. outside of Christian music yeah. and why they show up out there. Right. And again, it's, it's, because we all still have the echoes of the image of God inside of us. Like that is still there for every person. Yeah. And you're right. It, it it will resonate in whatever your field is that you choose. And again, I'm not saying that if you're in secular music or if you're producing some art form that is not explicitly Christian, I am not by any means saying that you are not operating 
where you were supposed to be operating. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, so yeah. I want to make that really clear. I'm not saying that there's any exclusivity to this being in the church. I believe there are people who are, who are creating great art, creating great music, uh, you know, our, our journalists, our politicians, you know, whatever, that they are doing exactly what they were created to do. There are plenty of people serving the Lord that don't get paid to go to absolutely. church. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, but I think that's, you're right. That's why we see it in corrupted fashions, but it's still got power. Um, yeah. You know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, performers, singers of all time is, is Freddie Mercury from Queen. Uh, that man was just an absolute force of nature on stage. I mean, I've never, as much as I love, like I love Michael Jackson a lot too, but as much as I love Michael, I would put Freddie above him as a, as a performer because for Michael, it was all about the perfection and all about the preciseness of what was happening for Freddie. It was about the crowd. It was about the, 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 the feedback loop of yeah. him and the crowd. The and he, force, the experience. Yeah, he yeah. literally, he could control a crowd that was just a ridiculous size and make you feel like if you were in the nosebleeds at the very back at the top, make you feel like he was right in your face and you were the one he was there performing for. I mean, he, he just could get a crowd in the palm of his hand like it was like it was nobody's business. So I think somebody from the beginning of the podcast is going to be a di bit disappointed. We gave <laughs> examples of spiritual songs. We gave examples <clears throat> of hymns. Uh, what what are some examples that you could give of Psalms? Like, yeah, uh, songs one of, one of uh, one of my favorite. Well, how he loves would be a really good example okay. of of a Psalm. Um, that one is very uh, it's very vague in a lot of what it's saying until you get to the chorus. Of course, that's very, but it's very creative, colorful language, and it's very expressional, experiential. Um, uh, there's that. Everybody, we apologize for that squeaking if you're hearing that over there. Yeah, Sheldon tried furnace. to shove a, shove a shoe in it. We've <laughs> literally never had this sound before, but all of a sudden it's yeah, it's angry. So You I, might hear it if you turn yeah, the volume I'm up. I'm sorry. Enough. I'm sorry. Um, another, another one that, I've, that I would say falls in that category is uh, uh, Obsession by Delirious. Okay. Again, they're using very colorful. So, like the the verse of that is, uh, "What can I do with my obsession with the things I cannot see? Is it madness in my being? Is it the wind that blows the trees? Sometimes you're further than the moon. Sometimes you're closer than my skin. Uh, what's the next line? Uh, you wrap around me like a winter coat. No. You surround me like a winter fog." What is it? I don't remember. It gets into British things because winter fog doesn't register for <laughs> for, for Americans for the most I never part. Thought but about anyway, that. Um, it's it's very it's very colorful language that is not necessarily biblical in its nature. Uh, but you could find that kind of thing in the Psalms. You know, you can find that kind of thing where yeah. David is expressing, you know, based on what he's seeing in nature, based on you know all these things. So I would put that one in that category. I think very I much think so. Psalms also have the freedom to express almost any emotion in yeah. song to God, like whether you're angry, whether you're frustrated, yeah. whether you're in despair, like it's perfectly fine to yeah. write that kind of music and use it as worship in the church because the Psalms of David that you read there, they were, they were the worship music of yeah. the, of the temple of right. the early temple. One of my, one of my favorite things about the Psalms of David in particular is they're, they're mostly really horrible. Like they're really gut wrenching. Whether they're it's it's the questions he's asking, or he's angry, or he's depressed, or whatever. But it always comes back to God. 
it always comes back to, but I believe that I will see you. I believe that I'll see your glory in the land of the living. I believe you will raise me up. I be- it always comes back to hope. Yeah. It never stays in that place. But I, I, I learned so much by reading through David's Psalms and seeing it's okay for me to express myself in this way. And it can still be an act of worship. He wishes people dead. Yeah. In his, yeah. In his yeah. expressions to God, he's like, I wish these people, you yeah. know. Yeah. Would never have lived. About, and he all talks about all the horrible things they're wishing on him, and like, okay, revisit all those things that they're wishing <laughs> yeah. on me. Do I'm it like, to them instead. That's not very Christian to right. be like. I want all the things that they wish for me turned back right. on them. Right. And I'm like, we have been taught to love our enemies. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was Old Testament, Old Covenant, and there has been some transition in some of those. Yeah, things. I know, but the but, expression I mean, of it is still okay. The expression of that <laughs> is totally okay, and that's, that's the beauty. And to that's say. the beauty of of a psalm is that. It's permission to express what you want to express to God while ultimately coming back to the fact that he is good and he is who he claims to be. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's expression of emotion within the safe structure of who God is. But a psalm <coughs> is not going to be a hymn. And, and that's one of the things that I don't like is where people look at a psalm that people are singing and it's an emotional expression and they're like, well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, this yeah. does not right. fit these theological boxes right. that I've created. Right. Okay. Right. And you've made it invalid. How? Yeah. Like I don't see how that's invalid. Or you try and make a spiritual song a hymn. That doesn't no. work either. No. Or you try and make a psalm a spiritual song and be like, well, obviously everything that they're singing about emotionally is <clears throat> a spiritual principle. Yeah. Uh, or it could just be emotion that I feel yeah. directed towards God or my <clears throat> present circumstance or whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> there is permission to do way more in church worship music than what people currently do. There, oh, yeah, without a doubt. God has made allowance for <laughs> a lot. If you if you read Scripture and you're like, wow, okay, so when we're talking about songs, hymns, and spiritual, there's a lot more yeah. than what we're currently yes, doing. Yes, there is. Yes, but. and 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 then you will get those weird hybrids of all three of them, which I would consider reckless love to be a hybrid of all three of those things. Um, which is why I think people get really upset about that song and can't decide theologically what they think of it because it it it's blending the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs all into one one unit. It's very very interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I do like it, and my. My wife does some songwriting and stuff, and, and I like the process. And then, but what's so funny is you see people go through that whole process of writing a song, and then you have these songs that are just born out of nowhere. And right. you're like, but how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't at all how we planned it. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add to this topic? Um, or that you really wish you would have said? I, I, I'll just go back to that again. Worship leaders, you know, worship pastors, even pastors in churches, start to really look at what you're doing in a corporate worship setting and say, are these three elements there? Um, and figure out what the mix is of those three elements for your house. Uh, don't, don't become the people who are performance-driven. Don't become the people who are so spontaneous that they're not even on a road, um, that there's no direction. Find what works for your house, but it Make sure you have all three of these elements, because if you don't have all three of these elements, you are robbing the people of God of the experience that he wants them to have together. Um, yeah. So 
you know, as much as I can demand that you do this, please, 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 and make faith, this a make this a point. My my personal faith is just as much what I've been taught, what I've learned, what I've read, what I know, and it's equal parts what I've experienced Without and what doubt. I've felt and what I've touched and what I've seen, and and those those experiences majority of them have happened in worship and through the expression of song, whether it's somebody else singing just in a room or over me or whatever. Um, I would, I would say that is a huge part of my faith personally that I can't explain to you. Yeah. I can't sit down and say, I know God and this is why, and this yeah. is how, because you're going to look at me and be like, man, that is like super yeah. trippy. It makes, it makes me think weird. of that, that Maxwell video we watched today. It's like, oh, that's not for you. Yeah. Like you, you yeah. wouldn't get if that. I, if I tried to explain it right now, you probably wouldn't get it. <laughs> and it's okay, because it only needs to make sense to me. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, it, it opens up that side of you that you can't explain to someone else, but it has to be experienced for yourself. Yeah. Um, and it goes back to what God is currently doing. God is singing over you, Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. That's right. And if if you think it's some sort of dreadful theological song that he's singing over you, it's probably not. He's just the, the, the word says that God rejoices over us with singing. And if I remember his child, he is doing one of, one of my faith. That's, I think that's Zephaniah three seventeen, And one of my favorite aspects of that verse, I remember, I remember someone explaining once that the, the word that's translated rejoice refers to a, a movement, a dance movement that literally means to spin like a top. Really? And so I love that aspect of him literally dancing over us with singing, dancing over us with a song. And I like to think of it, again, I can't back it up theologically, but knowing the nature of God and understanding some aspect of who he is, I like to think that he's singing a unique song over every single person that exists. There's nothing, yeah. it is literally your song that he is singing over you and rejoicing over you with. Um, and again, it, that goes to the reality of, of that spiritual song. That goes to the reality of, and, and I believe that it, that his his song that he sings over us is a perfect blend always of all yeah. three of those things. Yeah. That's really beautiful. <laughs> and, and you know, when you hear it or when you tap into it or when you sing it yourself, it's, it's something like no other. It's not yeah. something that you can describe, um, but it will awaken a part of you that you didn't know yep. existed. Yep. If it's allowed to happen, if you allow it to occur, I think for a lot of people, um, one of the barriers to seeing God on that whole other level is letting go of the need to understand yeah. what I'm doing right yep. now or what I'm hearing right now. And you don't have to sing. You don't have to lay on your face. You don't have to raise your hands to get any of that. You just have to let your spirit communicate with his. And that sounds trippy if you've never done it, but it, yeah. it will happen. I mean, yeah. and... And for a lot of people, that happens when they confess Jesus as Lord, when they accept Jesus into their heart, that salvation experience is the first time yeah. that, that 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 connection happens. And it's it continues to happen over the course of your life as you get to know more. Yeah. But um, we, we got a little bit of flack in the music category for like kind of trashing Christian music. <laughs> and I didn't want to necessarily trash Christian right. music without following it up on... Yes, there is 
there is a Christian expression of music that is awesome. Yeah. We just are not particularly fond of prepackaged and no. this anything. music is now I mean anything Christian. Yeah. So and I, and if, again, if I ever get offended, I almost get offended at the fact that some of the things are labeled Christian that are labeled Christian. And it yeah. goes far beyond simply music or creative aspects. It's because yeah. then all Christians have to defend whatever you put in that right. package. Yes. And it could have been great. It could have been not really bad. <laughs> but um, we're probably are we wrapping up here? Is that where we we're are? Talking? Okay. Yep. Let me let me end this with with one story if I can. That'd be great. And this is again imploring those of you who are who are worship pastors and worship leaders, and the rest of you can listen in too. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to be too exclusive here. But I remember one time hearing a story, um, hearing Lyndall Cooley, who was a worship leader during the Brownsville revival. I think he's a pastor in Tennessee now. But he talked about being uh, in his dad's church, and he was the worship worship leader at his dad's church, and it was a very traditional little Pentecostal church. And he was constantly trying to get his dad to do, in, do new music. You know, this was the 80s when the worship thing was just really starting to become a thing in the church, and, and, and his dad just wasn't having it. You know, he wasn't all about it. And he said, well, at least let me do one of these new songs for during an offertory. And so, and so he... This is when that uh, I exalt thee at first come out for thou, O Lord, art high above all the earth. I exalt thee. You know, we all, that's still a great song. I mean, that's, yeah. that's one of those songs that you can do in any environment and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit the right switch any, anywhere uh, in, a, in a worship environment or so has been my experience. But he said, I, I did that as an offertory. And he said, you know, after the basket got passed, you know, sister so-and-so, who was 80 years old, stood up and just lifted up her hands and was worshiping. And he said, and it just started to spring up a little bit here and there all over the congregation. And he said, after that moment, I could do anything I wanted. He's like, my dad literally came to me and said, hey, if that's what's coming out now, if that's what's happening now, we're going we're gonna to be okay with that and we're going to do it. So my reason for telling that is that song, again, is a perfect example of a blend of all three of those aspects, psalm, hymn, spiritual song, because it it has that solid doctrine, there is emotion to it, and there is also something fresh and now that is happening. Um, and I will, I will tell you that I believe that anything that is about God, as opposed to about us, is almost always going to take you to that place. But I want to give that this challenge to, to my worship leader friends, my worship pastor friends out there. If you're in a situation where you don't know what's going on with that balance of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, or if you're in a place where you're in a very traditional environment and you want to kind of move into a new direction, find something that is a perfect combination of those three things. And don't just do it because you like it. Don't just do it because it's fresh. Find something that has those three aspects and do that. Do what, do what Lyndall did. You know, put it in a special, do it, you know, whatever you have to do in your, in your setting. And you will see God start to do something where people will say, this is actually okay. This is something that the Lord's actually in. Because I find that most people who are fighting the whole worship war uh, is actually a style war. And all they're really trying to do is get back to the thing they remember when they were spiritually, had real spiritual vitality. So they may love how great thou art, but it's not because it's a hymn. It's because they rem they have spiritual muscle memory attached to what happened to them yeah. while how great thou art was being sung. Yeah. And so you respect those memories, respect the fact that the spirit was in what was going on there, but find something that combines those elements and it will be able to carry you forward. You may not be able to do whatever you want after that, but it will, it will be a stepping stone to get you to doing some other things. That's really cool. And um, yeah, so we will be 
putting this podcast out a little bit later this week. Some of you got to see it live on Facebook. Uh, we're going to hope to keep doing this some more, bringing yep. stuff to you live. Yes, yes. Um, but this is the things we say, signing off until next week. See you guys. See ya. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.